And I feel like this is an immaturity that, 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 that conflates the sensual, as in of the senses, mm -hmm. with sexual, as in of erotic nature. Because yeah. yoga is sensual. You feel through the senses. There's a feeling in the body that brings presence, aliveness. The, the neurological effects of yoga is to bring increased sensitivity mm -hmm. into all the fibers of the muscles. So you feel everything more. So there's an aliveness, a wakefulness, mm -hmm. a presence, which is rooted in an awakening of the senses. And if this gets conflated with sexuality and then everything becomes eroticized, I, I think that this is an immaturity of the mind and, and, and honestly, a misunderstanding of what yoga really is. That's Keena McGregor, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Hope you had a nice week. This week I have with me Kino McGregor. If you're not familiar with Kino, she is an author. She's one of the youngest certified teachers in the Ashtanga method. She's also one of the few yogis to have earned her certificate in India directly from the founder, Patabi Joyce. I had heard a few weeks ago that Kino was coming to Dublin to teach a weekend of workshops. I'd never tried Ashtanga before, so I thought, why not learn from Kino? There's no better person. And um, it didn't disappoint. It wasn't easy. In fact, some of it was quite frustrating, especially the seated forward folds. Um, but you know, that's part of the process, isn't it? Um, I didn't know much about her until I met her. And I thought, why not send her an email requesting that she come on my podcast since I'm going to the workshop? And lo and behold, she and her, her team replied back to me saying that they'd be happy to. So um, it just goes to show you that if you are a yoga teacher and you're self-employed, it's worth taking the shot and always asking because you never know uh, what might happen. So yeah, Kino... Um, took time in between the breaks to stroll down to my car and there we casted. It was, it was good fun. She, we talked about her background, her thoughts on physical adjustment, sensuality versus sexuality, uh, and even religion. So Kino was like really, really nice, really friendly, uh, very talkative, and she has a really infectious laugh, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Kino would like to offer one month free membership to OMSTARS for all the Yoga Life listeners. Simply enter the promo code KEVINBALLYOGA in all caps when you log into OMSTARS and you'll get a free month of online videos and tutorials. So there you go. Hope you enjoy the podcast. If you do, please leave it five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks. Hey Kino, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How about you? It's going good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> I've gone straight into podcast mode. Um, so we just, do you know, little confession, or not really confession, uh, but that was my first ever Ashtanga class. Wow, how'd you do? I found it uh, great. I was really good fun. I liked the jumping through because, and loads of Chaturanga, I lo love that. But the seated forward folds is really difficult for me. They're difficult, yeah. Because I find sitting in Lotus 
difficult. Right. So actually, that would be a great practice for you. <laughs> because, you know, in the Ashtanga method, we try to actually go and and look directly at the things that are that are difficult for us. And so mm. those contain sort of like the biggest lessons. So if the seated poses are all really, really difficult for you, the inclination is kind of like, oh, right, that was really hard for me. So I don't want to do that. But in the Ashtanga method, um, the teaching, the logic is actually, hey, those poses are really challenging for you. Great. This is a perfect practice for you. Yeah. Because it offers the most possibility of transformation. That's, that's actually quite interesting the way, um, from what I learned and know about Ashtanga, um, you, the teacher essentially tells you when you're ready for the next pose or to move on. Yeah, in the right. most traditional way, because I kind of feel like in the... In the introduction to the Ashtanga method, that all of the poses in like half the primary series, maybe even the full primary series, can relatively be made accessible for most people. You know, like you, with someone that's in, you know in a background in practice, can come into the Ashtanga you know primary series and you know do your best, and you can leave with the feeling of inspiration. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, when you get into second series or the advanced series, where the poses are just so challenging, mm -hmm. then you really need that direct relationship with the teacher. Mm -hmm. So the teacher says, okay. Uh, now for your body, you've you know you're ready for the next one, mm. and then it's really individual. And and I love the way um, that the, yeah there is that individual attention that even yesterday when you gave in that adjustment in plow, mm -hmm. I had my knees behind my head, yeah, and uh, you pushed my knees down. It was real firm with purpose. You yeah. gave it, and this is something that interests me. I'm a full time teacher now, yeah. and um, in Ireland, there's a bit of a gray area around physical adjustments mm, touching people people because we're quite i say we i mean i'm english but i have irish parents <laughs> <laughs> they'll accept me one day here um <laughs> uh, but like um and being a guy uh-huh there's a we're a catholic very catholic country mm -hmm. so we're not we're a little bit repressed in that in terms of affection mm. or mm -hmm. everyone to say it and um so i find that the Ivishtanga offers good physical adjustments. There's those to learn there for me right. to, to do more Ishtanga because I mean, what what are your have you noticed that that there's becoming um, a, uh, a teacher shying away from physically adjusting people? Mm, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a, a an important topic of conversation. You know, I would say that in the United States there are an equal number of teachers that are afraid to touch students and have shied away from physical assists, not so much from, say, the religious aspect. It's that, you know, the United States is definitely not a Catholic country, um, you know, but I would say that in the United States, people are afraid of lawsuits. Mm. You know, people are afraid, oh, if I touch the student, maybe they get injured and then they're going to sue me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that. Then there's also the recent kind of expose and revelation of, you know, uh, sexual assault by yoga teachers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of all, from all different genres and all different methods of yoga. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a valid concern. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, the flip side of that is touch is so healing. You know, we come to the practice because we have lived our lives sort of disembodied. Mm -hmm. You know, our consciousness has zoned out and escaped from our bodies and then we come to the practice and our biggest potential of healing is to reconnect with our bodies to mm -hmm. bring a sense of embodied presence back into our lives and sometimes verbal instruction is great you know visual instruction is great where you demonstrate 
but sometimes it doesn't bring the kinesthetic intelligence. Mm -hmm. So you know, as a student, that sometimes when you raise your arm and you feel that the arm is in the right place, and you you feel you followed the instructions, mm -hmm. you've done your best, you've followed the technique and talked to your shoulder blade and activated this muscle and sent this over here, and you're breathing and you're focusing, and then your teacher comes and gives you an assist, and it 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 changes your whole perspective. Definitely. So there's a you know there's this intimacy mm -hmm. of the body, mm -hmm. which I think is a is a fundamental feature of the efficacy of the path of yoga, mm -hmm. right? But I think separating that from separating touch from trying not to make it seem sexualized, if that's the right uh, word, absolutely, it yeah. is is what people um, find confusing mm -hmm. sometimes. They feel like the the you can't have one without the other. Yeah, Some, unfortunately, and I feel like this is an immaturity that 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 that, that conflates the sensual, as in of the senses, mm -hmm. with sexual, as in of erotic nature. Because yeah. yoga is sensual; you feel through the senses. There's mm. a feeling in the body that brings presence, aliveness. Mm -hmm. The the neurological effect of yoga is to bring increased sensitivity mm -hmm. into all the fibers of the muscles, so mm -hmm. you feel everything more. So there's an aliveness, a wakefulness, mm -hmm. a presence, which is rooted in an awakening of the senses. Mm -hmm. And if this gets conflated with sexuality and then everything becomes eroticized i i think that this is an immaturity of the mind and 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 honestly a misunderstanding of what yoga really is i mean i i've had this so many times myself being a female teacher putting my leg behind my head in videos where i'll get all of these comments from men who don't practice yoga sexualizing an instructional video where i'm teaching people how to put their leg behind their head mm -hmm. and it'll be everything from really lewd graphic comments that you would expect to see on you know an x-rated website or something like that or just like really kind of childish but sexual comments that you know really show that the, the person's not there you know to learn yoga and then and then you know and then I think myself you know the if I kind of feel like the true student of yoga when you're putting your leg behind your head or trying to put your leg behind your head or doing the actual practice, the idea of sex is so far from your mind. <laughs> you know, like I'm not feeling sexy when I'm putting my leg behind my head. I'm just there feeling my hip joint, you know? And um, uh, I've, I've spoken this over with, with uh, you know, with the male teacher, of a, uh, a friend of mine. And, and he said that, you know, we work through like practice is such a personally intimate space. And many people have self-hatred, self-loathing, and body image issues. So in your practice, sometimes, you know, it, from the outside of someone who doesn't practice, it may be su suggestive sexually, but when you're in there, you're there, you're feeling your hip. It doesn't necessarily mean you're loving your hip. You could be meeting, you know, your body image issues. You could be feeling self-loathing. You could be feeling so much stuff that you're working through in your practice so that really the last thing on your mind is sexual. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in that sense, I kind of feel like any teacher that's violated that in a student Student is, is, is just not acceptable because we as yoga teachers have to create a safe space of practice mm -hmm. so what can we do you know I think that it's on it's on the individual teachers personal responsibility to create that safe space and if and you know if if in any situation that an intimate relationship is desired with a student I feel that that that's no longer your student anymore yeah. like they have to stop coming to your class mm -hmm. 
So it is a big choice. I kind of feel like, hey, mm-hmm. this is a student. I feel an attraction, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to pursue that attraction, in my opinion, that, that person can no longer be your student if you're the teacher. Yeah. And the same thing's true with the students. Like if the students, if you're sitting there dreaming about a relationship with your yoga teacher, like I think that the students should recognize, hey, if I want this, I will no longer be this person's student because this is an unfair power dynamic. If yes. you try to create a, if you have a relationship with your teacher, then it's very hard to ever be equals, mm-hmm. right? So actually, you know, my husband's Danish and he told me that, um, and I don't know if this is still true because now we live in the United States, but, but at least, at least the, when we first met, he said that in, in Denmark, that it is illegal for the students to be in a relationship with teachers. In it's any occupation, illegal. like in any... That's what he said. I'm going to need to check the facts on that now because this is what Tim told me mm. years ago and laws change and whatnot. So I don't mm. know. But but, it, but it's because of the power dynamic. Mm. It's, it's, it's sort of a self-evident power dynamic where, you know, the student will always be on unsteady ground. And then, for example, the relationship may be initiated and the student may not feel... Uh, stable enough within their themselves to say no mm-hmm. and then they be, be they may be asked to do things but because they put this person on a pedestal mm-hmm. they'll say yes mm-hmm. and in many in many ways their, their boundaries will be violated i mean i know for example there are things that i would do for my teacher that i would not do for anyone else on this planet what do you mean well you know um if my teacher said to me come over tomorrow at 10 a.m. and we're to do a pranayama class i would be there okay if anyone else on the planet said that to me i would be like you know 10 a.m. doesn't really work for me do you think we could do like one because i've got this other stuff to do in the morning i would i, I will not present my needs as equal to their mm. needs to yeah. my teacher's needs because i feel i'm a student and i i understand like what i want out of the teacher-student relationship is i want to surrender i want to honor that i want to recognize the relationship between the teacher and the students so this will always put me in a position where you know when when my teacher asks me i will do mm-hmm. or i will do my very best to do mm-hmm. whereas as my friend i will negotiate between equals mm-hmm. so this you know this is, is is pretty much the reason why a romantic relationship between a student and a teacher you know can't happen mm-hmm. uh, successfully i believe until until that relationship is no longer teacher and student because then hey you're in a romantic relationship with your teacher your teacher says you know i want to move to a new country and then you know maybe you don't but you don't say it because hey you respect them so much as a teacher and then they're talking about how it's going to open up a new spiritual development for for you and then then you go and you know we wake up 10 years later and you're like what happened <laughs> so so I, I i i really see that you know mm-hmm. i i've 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 never had a relationship with a teacher but i've definitely um when i first started the practice I, I had many I had many experiences where I, I, I I've experienced the compromising nature of the power dynamic between teach, teacher and student. Mm. And unfortunately, in a few instances, my boundaries were definitely violated. And then in a few other instances, I was able to kind of remove myself from the situation. Mm. Yeah. But, and I think, as you said earlier, it comes down to a level of maturity. You know, I've. Um, and because I think if you were a younger uh, teacher and you were starting out you may not have the maturity to draw that line if you met someone that you liked yeah um and um and you may get you know as a young teacher you may also get kind of enamored with the attention mm, that you're getting mm. you know 
there there is you might feel like wow this is awesome all these people they yeah. care about what i think and they like me and this one wants to take me out to lunch and mm -hmm. this one wants to take me out to dinner and this one's giving me presents like wow and yeah. you may not be able to say no to that adoration mm -hmm. so it's a you know it's it's a very it's a very fine line to walk and this is this is something that i think every every teacher needs a teacher because it's your teacher will put you in check. Like you think you're the star of the world and you think like students are worshiping at your feet and this kind of thing. Like you need a teacher to put you in check to make sure your ego is like, hey, you're just a person, you're just a student. You know, you got your struggles too. If you if you end up thinking that, you know, you're walking on a cloud and you're the be all end all of the world, then I, I feel like either I, life is gonna give you some type of reality check or you can go practice with your teacher and then they'll hopefully break down your ego a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you talked about, about sensuality mm -hmm. and as in the senses, yeah. it's so funny because when I hear that word sensuality, I think, you know, sexy, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, talking about the senses uh, lately in classes, I've been trying to teach more back bends uh -huh. and I've been cueing the buttocks, the glutes, the bum, however you want to say it. Yeah. And I've realized how awkward I feel talking about backsides. Right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, squeeze your bum, you know, and people are like, what the hell? Um, but yesterday you went um, a step deeper. Yeah. We, we talked about the anus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I actually have a whole class that we only talk about sort of the anus and the genitals and the perineum and all of that sort of stuff. It's like we spend two hours talking about that. And also the butt and why we shouldn't be squeezing the butt. So. Oh, okay. So <laughs> firstly, what's the, why, why is there so much focus on the anus? Right. Well, the pelvic floor, you know, yeah. so, so without the pelvic floor, we miss the support of our back and the, and, and you miss the entry into occupying the space of the pelvis. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have the pelvis as this region, which is, which has been conquered, subjugated, dominated and, 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 and appropriated by others, you know, particularly in the female body. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so many women are cut off from their pelvises. You know, they're, 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 they either feel like, oh, I can't feel my pelvis because I've had a C-section or they're victims of sexual trauma. And they have they just don't, they don't, they don't want to feel their pelvis because of their past experiences. Well, you know, the yoga practice is like, hey, the path to liberation is to feel it all. So by getting down into the pelvis, we have the opportunity to dig up those old memories and bring them up for healing. By mm -hmm. occupying the space of the pelvis, we bring aliveness into our root chakra, our sacral chakra, our, our seat of embodiment here on this planet. So we have an immense potentiality for healing in the energy body. It changes our body image, image consciousness to be able to occupy the pelvis, not as an object that we're trying to fit into a pair of jeans that somebody has designed to fit into a model's body as an object that someone of the, you know, someone, a, a potential suitor could find as attractive or someone as a potential violator could see as, you know, a, a, a victim or something like that. So, so it's empowering to reclaim claim consciousness in the pelvis mm -hmm. so this is something that, that's really important mm -hmm. in the yoga practice be able to be intimate with yourself in that way and 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 then there's the physical benefits of if you don't if you don't know how to activate your pelvic floor you'll lose the support for your lower back you won't be able to steer your body from your center of gravity and in in term and finally in terms of the energetics of what's happening the pelvic floor around the anus around the genitals around controlling the bladder and the perineum is your window into what's called Mula Bandha. Mm -hmm. And the Mula Bandha 
it opens up the possibility to have increased energy flow in the body to light what's called the inner fire or agni so there's so many there's so many valid reasons to mm -hmm. go it you know to go in there mm, yeah and, and also uh, you see the way I even asked that question I laughed because I find it strange yeah. so I know that I have way more to learn way mm -hmm. more growth in terms of maturing even in that um, when it comes to um, subjects like that and I think that um, people are as you said the, lack so much body awareness mm -hmm. particularly in the low like the, the genitals that yeah, that area um, I mean, I had a lady on, um, shout out to Jenny Keane, she was on my third episode, I believe, who teaches womb yoga, yeah. and she told a story on the podcast that she had a tampon uh, basically inside her for two months without knowing, <gasps> and um, yeah. like it, because she was at a stage of her life where she was so disconnected from that part of her body, yeah. and um, th that that's, was, was a turning point for her to be like, man, I really need to get in touch with myself and and in i'm not not this i'm just not dissing island but i'm saying that look at irish dancing i mean the way people dance tells you a lot about their culture <laughs> right? so so we uh like for, i remember like in irish dancing your hands are by your side uh -huh. you move your legs up and down you never you move your pelvis correct if i'm wrong in the irish dancers but you never move your pelvis it's all legs up and down arms straight body straight and then um you know, I remember when Bryony Smythe taught this workshop um, and uh, she got us to twerk in it. Uh -huh. And me and this other lad at the back of the class didn't know. She was like, move your pelvis that way, that way. We didn't know how. Yeah. We were so... And then when I was in Colombia, I'm going off on a tangent here, but why not? And when I was in <laughs> Colombia, there was... Um, I remember these Spanish or Colombian girls were like, oh, do you want to dance with us? Me and my mate from Birmingham. And we're both like awkward English guys that can't really dance unless <laughs> we're like at 10 pints. And uh, and uh, we, were, we, were, we were kind of there sitting in the corner. We kind of froze. We didn't know what to do. And these two Colombian lads came over, just twirl, twirled them around and were moving their hips. And we looked at each other and went, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> we've got no game. Because <laughs> uh, we're so cut off from our, <laughs> our genitals. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I really hear and you. I, th actually, I actually think that, because I'm trying to promote more yoga for men, mm -hmm. particularly. Mm -hmm. And for men to... Because I think a lot of men go to yoga and they see loads of women and they see they either think of it as like oh yeah there's loads of birds there this is great mm. get it to have a look or they think of it as it's not for me because mm. I'm I don't look like that right. whereas if you can encourage people to come in and be more connected with trying to lose that mask of masculinity yeah you know and um, and be able to have adult conversations about our body and build body awareness the same way you were talking mm -hmm. about on London Real mm. we have emotional intelligence. Um, what's the other intelligence? <laughs> well, you know, there we, head we, intelligence. <laughs> yeah, or, or there's different. You know, there's, there's different channels of information, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, so there's definitely there's, there is an emotional intelligence and there's an intellect. Intellect, yeah. You know, so so and they're, and they're quite different. So mm -hmm. to intellectualize our feelings is not to feel our feelings. To intellectualize the body with academic knowledge or even like academic technique in the yoga practice is not to feel. You know, we can think all of the all of the affirmations we want. We can learn all the technique we want with our minds. But if it's not a reality in the body, there'll always be something disembodied about mm -hmm. it. So then, you know, the whole technique of yoga is to bring you back into being fully embodied 
you know, because it's like this thing where, hey, if you're not in your body, then who is, <laughs> right? So who is? So what's in your body if you're not, right? Well, then everything that's impacted you from culture, all of the, the, the messages and the subliminal messaging that we've gotten from mainstream media and ads and all that sort of stuff, all of the, the, the way things have been programmed into our minds from who were the stars of our high school, who were our college leaders and, and these kinds of things, all of that stuff, that's going to be circulating until you arrive into your body mm. and you inhabit every cell of your body and then you become you know the master of your body mm -hmm. not with force and rigid discipline but with love yeah yeah that's massive with i still get people coming to my classes because i teach hot yoga mm -hmm. and i find that it sometimes the people come and they, they feel like they're punishing themselves they're like i want to push it really hard i want to <laughs> you know because i had a weekend i've been you know well went on the piss or whatever drinking loads and now i want to like punish myself they're treating it more like a workout as opposed to yeah. this is what my body can do i can express it in this way and mm -hmm. treating it a bit of love and compassion i think um but we're, we're still learning in, in ireland we're yeah. still evolving in the yoga but, world you know anything that gets people to class i think is good because hey they can come in and say you know hey i want to punish myself and you can be like right well just let's get started yeah. and then through the course of the class you know you can gently guide them yeah. into you know a different paradigm mm -hmm. where there's no need for punishments yeah right Start talking about I, you know <laughs> i always find it interesting right in in christian countries mm-hmm and Christian ethos, you know, I wasn't raised with any religion, but I always find it interesting where people who believe in Jesus still have a desire for punishment, you know? Well, I think it's because you're told when you're born, you've already, you're a sinner. Mm. So it's a bit like, because essentially how it works, I'm sure you know this, but like you're born, like now that you're born, just for being born, you already have original sin because of some chap called Adam who ate an apple, right? <laughs> yeah. And now you've got to spend your life on your knees begging for forgiveness. But, but isn't, that, isn't that done the moment you accept Jesus? Yeah, I don't know. We've... <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It should be, but I think... So that's what I don't understand. So it's like, okay, fine, good. So once uh... you've accepted Jesus, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and, and that he was the ultimate price to pay, then there's no more punishment. Well, I, I agree in theory, but then every week you go along. <laughs> <laughs> and me and my sister were laughing. This is terrible. Last time we went to, we went to Mass last Christmas. We only go once a year now, yeah. which is a lot of what Catholics do. And... Um, and you, if you actually listen to what the priest is saying, uh -huh. so he goes, give thanks to the Lord. And everyone says, it is right to give thanks and praise. You know, it's real like, like, okay. like a real, yeah. it is right to give thanks and praise. And then one other thing is, forgive me, Father, for what I've done and what I failed to do. So I can't win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me for like what I've done and what I failed to do. It's like, he's got you at every angle, basically. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, the original sin one is, is a, I mean, the Catholic Church in this country is, you've probably seen about the Pope who was here a couple of weeks ago. He, Pope was here a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. And everyone, there's a big campaign, Nope to the Pope. Mm. Um, saying no, Nope to the Pope, I think it was. And um, it showed the crowds now for the Pope compared to 20 years ago, and it was a fraction. Mm, people, are, people are just, we have more information now. Mm -hmm. I, think, I actually mm. think yoga mm. has, is replacing the church. Yeah, well, for, for you know, th th there's an interesting thing, right? There's the organization of institutionalized religion, which over years has been in the hands of people in positions of power whose motivation, you know, 
uh, everybody, it's hard once you have entrenched power because then the motivation is not always, is not always as, you know, um, egalitarian as one would hope. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have that. And then, and then, and then we've got, you know, the teaching of Jesus, which is, seems to be quite at odds with so much institutionalized religion mm -hmm. and, and, and the institution of, of, um, of the way that, that the, uh, you know, the way that a, a relationship with God could really be. Yeah, they, they've they've kind of, it's been hijacked a little bit and yeah. for for power. The, but um, so how are we doing for time? Right, five minutes. <laughs> I I got I, I bait. I've shamelessly stolen some quick fire questions from Larry King. Oh, okay. Yeah, that should be fun. You know, so uh, these are these are I say designed. These I like these because I ask you the question, then you just give your answer. Okay. And I don't respond to it. I just move on to the next question. Okay. Yeah, you're good to go. What would you be if you weren't a yoga teacher? Oh, gosh. If I could go back and be anything else, I think that I would have pursued a career in politics. Okay. Who was your first kiss? <laughs> like, like romantic kiss? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, do, I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, and the reason why I don't remember, and this isn't really a lighthearted answer, is because my first sexual experience was, was, was rape when I was 11 years old. Oh. So I don't remember before that. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. What is my biggest? Is, I don't know what my big. I don't know if I have a. You know, I I I would I I uh, maybe maybe being too strongly opinionated about anything. A person being too strongly. Hmm. Okay, that's a good one. Not willing to listen to other opinions like that. Um, if you could go back in time and have, or not so not back in time. If you could have lunch with anyone from history, who would it be? Anyone from history. Oh gosh. Well, uh, from history, maybe Abraham Lincoln, and currently alive, uh, you know, Pre President Barack Obama. Shout out to Barack if you're listening. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> please, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> two, two more questions then. Uh -huh. Things people get wrong about you. Uh, people think that either I'm all fluff or that I'm way too serious. Okay. What's the one piece of advice you could you give yourself if you met yourself when you're 18? Mm, well, uh, the one piece of advice that I would give is um, to just pause and breathe and think for myself and take a moment and really reflect on what it is that I want to do and to not let anybody else's negative beliefs stop me from going forward. There are so many things I wanted to do, but I guess I, I always felt like, oh, I'll never be able to do that because, you know, because of this, because of that. Mm -hmm. So if I could go back, I would say, you know, um, you don't, don't internalize anyone else's negativity. If you've got a dream in your heart, then you should go and pursue it. Brilliant.
Yeah. Kino, you're a legend. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you. That's so good. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, I have with me Liz Kostkin Fleury, who is our very own, as in Dublin based, yoga teacher and fitness guru. She is um, otherwise known as the Positive Fitness Project. So, um, yeah, she's on next week. Um, she's a bundle of joy. That sounds weird. Um, she's, she's not a baby. She's a fully grown woman. And, uh, no, she's a very pleasant lady. And I hope you tune in next week, next Thursday, to listen to that episode. As always, if you enjoyed this one, please leave it a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Have a powerful week. Namaste. Namaste.